Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Each major war compels all defense establishments worldwide to reassess their priorities and doctrines. One does not have to be personally involved in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, directly in combat or indirectly in the supply of weapons, in order to be concerned with relevant lessons for one's own challenges. So what do we know so far about uh, use of armor, air power, missiles, and all the other components of military forces, along with commandability, unit cohesion, and additional non-material factors, lending their expertise to this issue particularly, are joining us from Central Israel, Major General in Reserve Gelshon Akuen, who is an IDF Army Corps commander. Thank you for joining us, General. Good evening. Also joining us is Brigadier General in Reserve, Doron Gavish, who is a former Air Defense Chief at the Israel Air Force. Thank you for joining us as well, General. Thank you. Happy to be here. Indeed, and as always, of course, our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of what should we look at from an Israeli perspective in order to try and identify what we can learn from that arena as we're faced with so many challenges, of course, of our own. So um, as the second year of the Russia-Ukraine war started, we have features of uh, World War II and World War I, with um, a war of attrition, with a standstill, at least until uh, winter is over. Maybe we will have a spring offensive on uh, one side uh, or the other. And uh, we are faced with the question of whether we can learn, for instance, from how and what was done with armor or uh, more uh, accurately with the uh, um, armor artillery infantry uh, grouping, uh, the um, multi-dimensional battle, or is it, as you said in your introduction, less a matter of uh, material, um, be it obsolete or obsolescent or uh, innovative, and more of the uh, spiritual dimensions of war, um, whether the Russians uh, are failing, uh, especially as against their uh, initial expectations, because their commanders were not proficient, because their doctrine um, was uh, not adapted to the new circumstances because of uh, the lack of motivation on the part of um, their conscripts and perhaps because of the uh, leadership uh, failings of uh, Vladimir Putin himself, who may have been uh, doing uh, not what he was uh, given as recommendations, but uh, insisting that he knows better than uh, everyone else as uh, CIA director Bill Burns recently said, it doesn't matter what his advisors uh, say, only Putin decides. Well, uh, uh, if you're particularly speaking about the interview at Face the Nation, ultimately uh, CIA director Burns did mention that the circle of advisors kept shrinking, which ultimately caused uh, Putin to identify himself as the uh, best option uh, or the best uh, 
uh, person to make the right decisions for every given moment, uh, something, of course, that uh, even the Bible tells, uh, which, of course, directs uh, the, the Mossad itself, uh, without deceit, uh, um, or how would you like to translate yes. that? Uh, a nation shall fall, but uh, salvation or redemption comes from good advice. Uh, we need good advisors, and hence, uh, General Aquin, when we're talking about uh, a year gone uh, with uh, devastating war uh, in Ukraine, um, hundreds of thousands of casualties, so to speak, uh, with uh, tens of thousands of confirmed killed, uh, to what degree do we as Israelis look towards that arena and, and truly learn from the lessons uh, when we know that ultimately the backbone of Israel's capacity to maneuver the forefront is first and foremost protecting its home front. The main anxiety is that we as Israelis must uh, take in consideration regarding our own arena is the fact that this uh, war uh, not at all coming to be ended, uh, even after one year. And uh, no uh, leverages in the world can really enforce it to be ended. And for the Israeli occasion, this is a great uh, disaster to think about a war without an end. Because even the Russians, found themselves in that ongoing war uh, with a shortage of ammunition and reserve of uh, uh, forces, of even uh, the capability uh, of industrial effort to deliver whatever they need uh, for that ongoing war. Just to take the implication to the Israeli uh, lesson, a war without an end in the small Israeli country is a real disaster. And we must take that risk in all considerations because we must bring a war, if it will just emerge, to be ended quickly as soon as possible. Indeed. Uh, General Gavish, I'd like to hear your take on this. Of course, uh, Western doctrine dictates that uh, uh, militaries should provide a quick and decisive victory uh, or a very quick uh, and decisive victory uh, in order to ensure that public opinion stays uh, in touch with uh, uh, its capacity to withstand uh, such a uh, conflict within uh, the context, of course, of the 21st century. Uh, to what degree is this a consideration now? Uh, when, as General Aquan mentioned, uh, this war has been ongoing for one year. We're talking about a superpower, Russia, contending, of course, with uh, a country that is backed by superpowers. Nevertheless, is in a ongoing uh, battle for its survival without any horizon. Uh, and uh, the necessity to maintain the logistics uh, of ongoing weaponry uh, flooding into that country. Uh, it, it seems like the complexities are just growing and growing. What can you, as a, ch a former chief of uh, air defense, take out from this? Well, I think that uh, 
you know, as, as it was mentioned by uh, General Gershon Cohen, decisiveness, this is one of uh, Israel, um, I would say, pillar in, in our national strategy. And this is something that we always need to look at. And uh, if we are looking at the war that, uh, um, as you said, is, is already one year now, uh, decisiveness was not there from, from the Russian uh, side. And there was also, we didn't see at least any exit strategy. So when you get into a war, uh, you have to come with your own strategies uh, to apply them. But even once you go into the world, you have to ask yourself one of the main questions that you must ask yourself is what is our exit strategy? If we are looking, looking on this war, um, I think this is a, a failure from all the aspects. If we are talking about the Russians, uh, we couldn't really see or really understand what was their strategy. Uh, we know basically what they wanted to gain. Of course, they didn't gain it at all. Uh, we saw them changing the strategy, by the way, the military strategy, almost two weeks, uh, two months, sorry, into the war. When they started in the north and then they completely changed it. Um, and we don't see an exit strategy. So I think that one of the major failures that uh, we should look at, learn from, although we basically know that decisiveness must be there, uh, is, is this aspect uh, of the world. But I think that there is other aspects that uh, uh, need to be looked at, uh, and the importance uh, of uh, national resist resilience and uh, moral. Uh, I'm not sure, or I'm sure that uh, the Russians, and by the way, I'm not sure that too many other people in the world thought that the Ukrainian would show such a resilience as a nation, that the leader, leadership would be such a, I would say, brave leadership. And, uh, and the morale of the country is basically high. So those are also very important lessons learned uh, of um, when, when you're looking into a fight from a, from a strategic uh, point of view. And another, I think, lesson learned, and uh, this is something that uh, uh, we should all look at is that is again the miscalculation that was done by the Russians of uh, how the world uh, would uh, react to the, this war. I think that they didn't expect uh, what happened with the NATO nations, with the United States, um, the help that uh, the Ukrainians are getting from uh, all over. Uh, with the weaponry and, uh, and so on. So I think this is also something uh, to look at. I would add the point that was uh, just mentioned at the beginning by uh, Mr. Amir Oren, which is very interesting point to look at. Uh, this war mainly, this was mainly a war um, looked same as uh, World War One, World War Two. Uh, long convoys, uh, infantry fighting, trenches, uh, things like this. We didn't really see the modern world be part of it, although there were some UAVs here and there uh, that were um, 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 applying to this war, some cyber, but not with the strategic applications. I think this is also something interesting to look on this world and when we analyze it, how much was it really a modern 20, um, 20, 21, 21st century, and what could we learn from this? a way of fighting um, uh, to what we do in Israel. I think that um, another thing which is very interesting to look at is, I would say, the clash or the tension between morals, 
because uh, you see the, the, the nations worldwide, uh, they think that, uh, that the Russians, of course, are behaving unmorally, to say the least. But then from the other side, there is still kind of a relations uh, with Russia. They, we don't, they also Israel, by the way, you don't break all the walls and all the bridges uh, with Russia. So I think this is also something very, very Indeed. interesting to look at. And once we are analyzing uh, this war, how to maintain this tension, uh, what is the right way, maybe uh, maybe the right way is to balance, but maybe the right way could be also to break the bridges and to say this is a white and black, uh, which I don't think this is the situation, of course. And, and the last thing uh, is, is, I would say, from our uh, point of view as an Israeli, is the link that we saw between uh, Syria and what is happening uh, in Syria uh, because of this uh, war in Ukraine. Uh, the, the shift, the, the movement of uh, equipment uh, from one side to the other, the entrance of the Iranian, which they became part of it, uh, part of this war, they are helping the Russians. Uh, they are uh, now, lately, they, they said that they, they are going to help also the, the Syrians. So this war also, from the Israeli point, and not only from our point of view, influenced uh, also what is happening in our area and the way that Iran is uh, behaving uh, in, in our region. Indeed. We will discuss uh, more deeply uh, Russia's state of play in the Middle East uh, in light of the war of Ukraine in our next episode that will be broadcast on Tuesday. But I'd like to ask you, Mr. Owen, as uh, we're looking at uh, this uh, uh, Ukrainian-Russian arena, of course, Russia has been engaged in this territory in multiple wars for uh, millennia. And uh, as such, I'd, I'd like to ask you, when, when we really look at what can all of this mean, what are the implications for the Mideast, something that we can draw out of this, and both General uh, Quinn and, uh, of course, General Gavish have noted this, is uh, the tightening relations between Russia and uh, Iran, on the one hand, uh, which obviously also alters its policy to a certain degree, because we see a deepening of relations that also has its implications for Syria. Israel is looking at this, of course, very closely, but it also understands that the way things are being conducted in Ukraine and uh, with the various contenders being somewhat larger in scale than what Israel is, uh, it might not necessarily also mean the same for what we may face in the near future. Just to give a picture, if uh, the same quantity of munitions would be used in a day, uh, as is the case in uh, the Ukraine-Russian war, we would ultimately, uh, or Hezbollah, would deplete its arsenals within three days. So uh, some lessons are universal regardless of uh, the uh, uh, terrain or uh, the uh, uh, threat assessment or the scenario. For instance, if you talk about national stamina, it is basically the same when you analyze Russia in Ukraine or a potential Chinese invasion of uh, Taiwan, even though um, the Russian invasion is obviously uh, by land forces, they have a common border, actually two borders from Belarus too. And um, if uh, China were to invade or at least harass 
Taiwan, it would be a naval and air campaign mostly until they manage to get uh, forces in country. So it doesn't really matter whether it's uh, armor or air force and navy um, when you look at the um, highest strategic uh, level. But you are right. Uh, it's uh, sometimes boring to talk about logistics. And um, if you asked General Cohen when he was a colonel, for instance, whether he prefers to be chief of logistics for the Israeli Defense Forces or to lead uh, troops in combat. We know what his answer would have been. But without logistics and acquisition and research and development and money, there would be no war. And what we saw here is the American term drawdown. They have taken from their own arsenals stuff which will be needed if there is another crisis now. Now, in the Yom Kippur War, when they did it, there was some resistance from the Department of Defense, both the civilian echelon and commanders who had to sign for their readiness. Had the Soviets attacked in West Germany during the Yom Kippur War, the commanders would have been at fault for not having uh, the material. And the Americans have given the Ukrainians $32 billion worth of munitions, some of which were produced specifically for that, but most of which were taken from stocks. So the so-called arsenal of democracy has been depleted. And if Israel is in need, we may not see enough stocks of uh, Iron Dome interceptor missiles or... Uh, this is a very important lesson learned. I think that people need to understand this. The quantities of munitions currently available in the West are depleted. And this is something that Israel might find itself on its own facing the eastern and northern arena. But not only that, um, obviously with precision guided munitions, uh, you can hit your targets more accurately and uh, avoid non-combatant uh, casualties. But they are so expensive that, that um, after a couple of days, you run out of money. The General Cohen. Uh, what was just emphasized by Amir is a huge lesson uh, for all military organizations. And we can find the way that the Polish army, for example, the German army are adapting now that lesson. For example, the, a Polish boat from South Korea, seven, if, uh, uh, 750 new artillery uh, cannons, 155 millimeter. And they bought from the Americans around 500 uh, vehicles of high mount with 9,000 rockets. It is a very, very extraordinary investment. Beyond that, uh, it is a lesson about the new importance of uh, fire uh, from land forces, and it is really bringing a great question mark about the effective effectiveness of uh, air forces. What are the 
explanation for the failure of Russian Air Force, we still really not understanding because I'm giving them respect and the way in which the Russian Air Force is absolutely absent from really taking a, a massive function in that uh, uh, front is a riddle and it is a lesson how much this uh, new war bringing a lesson regarding the importance of land forces, regarding simple artillery forces and uh, new vehicles, of course, uh, all uh, drones and other means, but they are all used in the battle units, in the land units. Indeed. Uh, General uh, Gavish, of course, uh, Israel's aerial superiority in, in this region uh, is unquestioned uh, by uh, most who you may ask uh, around the world. Of course, uh, uh, the Iranians might think their own uh, air force uh, to be better, but uh, uh, when it comes to practicalities, they, they understand full well behind the scenes that that's not the case. Uh, taking the lessons from the, the scenarios, uh, uh, as General Aquin just mentioned, to what degree can Israel learn from its own challenges in the past? Of course, uh, there were uh, multiple challenges vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Egypt's uh, uh, aerial uh, uh, or air defense superiority at the time when the Soviets provided it with batteries in the past. Uh, the, the Russians might uh, have certain incentives to provide the Iranians with the S-400, which is regarded as a very capable tool. And the Iranians themselves just... Uh, this past week uh, drilled their own aerial defense uh, capabilities to try and, and challenge Israel's uh, air defense uh, or aerial superiority. Uh, so uh, as the top expert on this matter, to what degree is Israel right now trying to comprehend that same point that General Akoen just mentioned? I think that uh, for sure this is something that uh, we should uh, look at, I mean Israel should uh, look at. Uh, but we also have to be very careful with, um, uh, you know, looking in this war that what is happening there in Ukraine and to apply it here into Israel. And I will explain why. One of the main reasons is that the Ukrainians are fighting on their own soil, defending their country on their own land. This is not the situation for us. We don't see, uh, we don't plan, this is not our strategy. To, find, uh, to, to fight in Israel. Our strategy is on the contrary. We see the, the, the fight uh, over their land. Uh, we see the part of, uh, and again, it's go to, to our national defense strategy, but also to our uh, military strategy. Offense is one of the main pillars of uh, our defense. We, we don't see it there in Ukraine at all. I mean, the Ukrainians are not uh, defending by an uh, offense uh, activities uh, in Russia. So th this is uh, probably a huge different, uh, difference between uh, what, the way that we see and the, the way that they are uh, reacting. Uh, but still, of course, there are other uh, things that uh, we should uh, look at, learn from. Uh, um, uh, but I think that at least in this uh, point of view of uh, how do we fight against uh, their uh, air defense and, and their means, uh, our strategy is completely different from what we see today in, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, 
Uh, I think that one of the points which are very important are uh, armament and the efficiency of fighting, as was uh, mentioned uh, with the, uh, by Amir uh, before. This is a very important thing to look at. Um, um, and uh, the only the, the other thing that I maybe would add is that uh, uh, we we have to see and understand the the idea is that you cannot really contain a war to a zone. It means that uh, if we are fighting against uh, one area uh, from the Israeli point of view uh, with Syria or with Iran, we have to anticipate that it won't stay on this territory. It would come from the east, directly from Iran, or, for, or through the proxies and so on. So this is also something that Israel, we all, all the time we have uh, to look at. It's a bit different from, again, from the uh, from the Ukrainian arena, but for their point of view, uh, for example, they are looking to the Belarus. Maybe some things could come from there also. So this is always uh, also something that uh, you want to look at. Uh, how could how could you and if you could contain a war to a to a, a, a specific zone, and how do you prepare yourself to a war that would come from a different angles? A few things that were not mentioned, of course, is matters of terrain. Uh, when we're looking at uh, the attacks that came from Belarus, uh, the northern uh, uh, attempts, the use of paratroopers, and uh, the various uh, challenges at the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, ultimately this was abandoned very quickly because of the terrain in that uh, region on the northwestern uh, part, uh, diverted to the Luhansk and Donetsk. And, of course, when we look here on Israel, we don't have a strategic depth of field comparatively to that arena. Therefore, also one of our pillars of uh, doctrine are the offensive uh, capabilities but, of defense. But uh, there was a time, and, and Gershon Akoyan was there, uh, when Israel uh, fought on two fronts, um, the desert, Sinai, and the mountainous regions of uh, the Golan Heights and, um, and Lebanon. Now, the Israeli Air Force has a well-deserved reputation for excellence, mostly due to the quality of uh, its uh, pilots and its uh, diffusion of information, of intelligence, operations, and control. But because the maintenance, the ground crews, and the turnaround are so good, it has uh, an advantage over its rivals. Well, hopefully we'll continue to discuss this uh, matter in theory and not in practice uh, uh, anytime soon. But uh, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank General Akoen, General Gavish, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank all of you at home. And until next time, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.